Well, good morning, Only Believe Ministries. This is my first time being able to see you this morning up here. You all look like pretty faces. You know, I was thinking this morning, what a great place to be able to go. Only Believe, a place where strong family of faith, we pray together, we spend time together, we learn the word together, and I can't think, you've heard this said before, but I can't think of a better group of people to do Jesus with than you right here. I'm telling you. Bar none, you could back us in a corner, we'd come out fighting with faith, and I think that's important. Amen? Let's pray before we get started today to deliver the word. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus, and God, I just ask that you would anoint my lips. Anoint my lips, God, with your spirit, Father, that you would move through me, Father. God, I yield my members, my mind, and my thoughts to you today, Father, that I would speak your word, your will, Father, that I would leave myself out of it, Father, and allow you to move through me to get your point across in Jesus' name. God, that it would change our hearts, change our hearts, Father, and then go into our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today I'm going to be talking about running your roots deep. Now, it's not a secret that pastor has been speaking on faith and reestablishing some things in our hearts and our minds about faith. We've learned faith is a spiritual substance. We've learned how to use it. We've learned how it comes. Last week, mind-blowing message, we learned how to use our faith to love others. And specifically, Dad was talking um, mainly about in the church how we have to love one another and that it's hard because our emotions get in the way. Our, if we, sometimes if we could just settle those emotions down, it would be so beautiful. This morning, um, I saw Ebony and there was um, one of the staff members came in this morning and we was praying with her about her grandbabies. And she, she began to cry. And Ebony saw it and she just goes over to her and stands by her and does Ebony's normal lean that means I'm here for you, but you can be here for me too. Pet me. <clears throat> but I, when I saw that, I thought to myself, oh, if the church could only have a lack of identification to people. You know, this, this, this dog didn't care what Ann looked like. She didn't care what, what clothes she had on. She didn't care how she smelled. She didn't care what color her hair was. She just leaned on her because she realized that she needed someone to love her. I thought if the church could only be that emotionless but that tender to respond to someone's need, how beautiful it would be. Now, by all means, I'm not calling the church a dog. I want to straighten that up right there. I'm saying that the unconditional love of that dog was beautiful. Because, see, Ebony don't know any boundaries. She loves everybody. It don't matter if you're short, if you're small, if you're tall, if you're round, if you're skinny, if you're black or you're white. Nothing matters to her. It's just if you need her, she's there. And if you give her love, she'll appreciate a little bit more and she might lean in a little bit longer so she can get her own needs met. But it was a beautiful thought. All right, so in a nutshell, last week we learned, this was a quote that dad said, it was beautiful, and I think if I'm not mistaken, Corey Kissel, you reposted it this week, and it stuck with me, I couldn't let it go. It said, if a person's actions towards you can disrupt your faith, then how deep is it? That was good. And it got me thinking, and, and a couple months ago, I had asked the Lord in preparation for my next message, Lord, what do you want me to teach? And he said, I want you to talk about roots and running them deep. And when dad said that, I went, oh, well, we must need to run our faith roots deep. Yeah, and then I'm going to give you the rest of my message, and you're going to realize that I had no understanding of what I was talking about. So we are to use faith to love one another, even when, here's the hard part, you have rightfully been done wrong. Mm, that one hurts. It's easy to love someone when you deserved it. And you're like, yeah, well, I did, I did deserve it. Yeah, well, they were right. I'm wrong. But when you were right and they're in the wrong and you know it and you know it and you know it to reach out and love them. Like, I don't want to love them today. 
tell you what, they just need to learn who's right. The word says that we need to have a fervent love, one for another. And I'm speaking to the body of Christ right now. And love will cover a multitude of sin, not expose it, not reveal it, not talk to our neighbor, not talk to our brother about it, but will cover the sin of our brother because we identify that even though I'm right and they're wrong, I'm going to use my faith to get over this and through it the way Jesus would. I'm not going to use my emotions to get in this. I'm not going to be involved in that. So what happens is, is when we are dealing with situations in our lives, burst out of emotion, burst out of anger, frustration, strife, then every evil work is present in our life. And whatever protection we had from the enemy immediately opens up, and here we are, so the devil can have his way with us. So how we respond, and to respond in Christ, and through Christ, and use our faith to do it, is huge. See, we don't have to do this on our own. That's why we're in the situation we're in. Because the church has been trying to do it on our own. See, I'm not capable of loving you when you wrong me. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not. What I'm going to do is get mad, angry, and frustrated, and I'm probably going to walk around you the next time I see you so that I don't get bit a second time. But that's not the way we're supposed to handle it. We're supposed to set our emotions aside and depend on faith to get through that situation. And when we do, the Lord's love takes over and loves through us and for us. See, if you're frustrated about your love language and frustrated that you're not loving the brother like you should, the reason is because you're trying to do it on your own. That's the whole purpose of Dad's message last week was to get us to say, quit trying to do it on your own and love through me. Let me do it for you. Let my grace be sufficient to get you through it. So how many think we can do that? I do too until the next problem. Then we'll see how I get through it. Today we're going to start our reading in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Now I've asked for um, the New Living Translation today, and I don't know if they have it or not, but if they don't, I'm going to read it to you, and here's why. Keep in mind, all you King Jamers out there, New, or King, King James readers and think I'm going to go to hell if I read out of a different Bible, hang on to your seats. I'm not tearing any words apart in the Greek and digging through them, I'm just going to read them to you for what they're worth today. So I didn't base my study out of the NLT today. Shh, calm down. It's all right. All right, it says in the sixth verse, Colossians 2nd second, second chapter, sixth verse, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Seven, let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. And then, in my notes, it's capital, and I have a big circle around it. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Let your roots grow deep into him. Then. So we see that there's a condition. A lot of times we read the Bible, we, don't, we skip over those conditions. We think, oh, well, this is what's going to happen. I get faith, it's going to grow down into him. No, if you do what is prior to what that says. Now, let's go on to John, 1 John, the fourth chapter, 15, 16. And I'm going to return back to the King James, because now I'm going to start digging some things out for you. It says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now, that's you and I. We've accepted Christ as our personal Savior, right? So God dwelleth inside of me. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, this says that if you're a believer, you're a Christian, and you've accepted him in your heart, then you know that God is love. And if God is love and he's in you, then love's in you. 
Is that what not just I said? In, in part. Okay, look at this. And we're going to stop right there. I'm going to come back. We're going to stop there, and we're going to go back to Colossians, and I want to show you something. So we're going to read Colossians with the knowledge of 1 John 4, because we just figured out that God is love. Is that what it said? Then this is the rereading of, of Colossians, right? When we let our roots grow down into God or love, our lives are built on him, God, love. Then, then our faith will grow strong in the truth we were taught and we will overflow with thanksgiving. Is that not the truth? Okay, so let's go back to our scripture. Now we're going to go back to 17 and 18. In order to keep this scripture in context, I'm going to read them, although it doesn't have a lot to do with what we're talking, but the other ones do. Herein is your love made perfect, meaning if we're in Christ, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, meaning we don't have to be afraid if we're Christians to go stand in judgment because we know that God loves us. And if he loves us, he's forgiven us. And we know that if we're in right standing with the Lord, then judgment's not a problem, right? This is what all this means, okay? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. In other words, if you're afraid of judgment, then your love is not perfect yet because you don't understand the mercy, the love, the grace that God's given us, and that's not what we're meant to do, okay? Go on down to 19. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, still talking about the church, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, who I spend time with week after week, who I know, who is a Facebook friend, who I might work with, who's a Christian. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So, in context, we identify that God is love. It is not by chance that Pastor Dosik is talking on a series about faith and it runs into love. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says that faith worketh by love. You can have all the faith in the world, all the knowledge in the world about what love is, but if you don't have a revelation of what God and his love, who he is inside of you, it will not work. Did you hear me? Because the scripture in Colossians says, then will your faith be established. Then will your faith be firm and strong and go like this. Fixed. Fixed. But it's a then thing. And love is the beginning of what that is. If we don't love others, I promise you, your faith will show no fruit. No fruit. And we all know the scripture in the Bible that says faith without works is. That means fruitless. That's what it means. It means that when you apply your faith to a certain situation, it yields no fruit. We don't want our faith to be dead. Amen? Amen. But it's connected to love. So I'm going to show you that. And I, everybody say, I love you, Nicole. I just want to make sure that's the truth. Every message should be prefaced with that statement. Because sometimes when people ask you to change something you've been doing your whole life and make it a little different, it's a little bit uncomfortable. And that's when people don't want to love. See, it's easy to love the people that agree with you. Amen. You notice that? It's not easy to love those who don't. Now, let's go. If sometimes what Pastor was talking about, when we have a lack of love to cover our brother's sin or our brother's wrongdoing, that maybe rightfully was deserved or not rightfully. It shows that you have a shallow root system. Shallow root system. So if you're looking at your life and your responses are immediately out of your emotion and not out of something founded in God and a root that drives deep into who he is, then you can say, I'm shallow. 
like, I need to work on this. That's not a problem. Why does everybody think that admitting weakness or admitting failure or admitting, admitting something that's weak makes you look bad? Because it's not. See, the, the sooner we get to the identification of what the struggle is, and we just admit to it and lay ourselves down before God, a whole lot quicker he can get out the surgical stuff and just deal with the situation. See, I don't, I don't want to fight. I don't want to run. Just show me the rock and let me lay on it. Let's go. Get it over with and start working on me. See, what happens is, is that when we have shallow love and when we start responding out of our emotions here and there and here and there and we're hurt, we become fragile, we become offendable. See, because our roots aren't deep enough. And then what happens is the storms of life happen and you know what the tree looks like. Last week, how many knew the tree storms or the wind storm? Hello, I'm driving on Shawnee Road. There's a huge tree jumped up with all of its roots dumped out. The whole thing, it's probably as big as my car. Like, it's a huge root system, yet it's toppled over. That becomes our lives because we're shallow, not in faith, in love. So I'm going to prove some of these things to you today. I think that if you could truly comprehend or understand how much God loved us, and you've heard this scripture over and over and over, but I want to read it to you with a, with a spin. It says, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, hear me, not just the people in the church, not just those who believe in his name. He, for God so loved the world, world, Everyone in it, not just Nicole, not just Trish, not just Wayne, not just Wayne's family, not just Todd and Danelia. He loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever, whosoever, listen, this whosoever could be a liar. This whosoever could be addicted to meth. This whosoever could be a drunk. This whosoever, okay, I'm going to hurt you right now because I'm just going to go really deep into your thought pattern. This whosoever could be a rapist. This whosoever could be a child molester. This whosoever could be a crooked cop. I'm going past your vein. See, your vein looks at a liar, a thief. Yeah, he's a criminal. I'm going deep into what you don't want to talk about. I'm going deep into what makes you uncomfortable. Because I'm going to tell you, the love of Christ makes you uncomfortable. And if you're comfortable, then you're probably not loving enough. I'm just going to be real. And I'm not talking to you by yourself before I didn't talk to myself. There's a reason that I'm preaching this message. is because God's been dealing with me about it. You know, I was a five-year-old girl, five years old, when I accepted Christ. Why? Why did he choose me? Because he loved me. Because he loved me. It was that simple. I wasn't more deserving than anybody else. But because he loved me, he thought I'll let her know. Her heart's ready. She's ready to accept me. But it didn't make me any different because I was five years old and pure. Probably the worst thing I'd done is grab my neighbor, made him kiss me behind the bed. <laughs> Come here, boy. And then he told his mom, and then she told my mom, and then I couldn't get any more free kisses. It was over a game of checkers. It was real simple. If you win, you don't have to kiss me. If you lose, you're going to kiss me. I don't know what the problem is. I hadn't done much wrong at five. But yet there's people at 50 that have murdered people. And the same love that saved me at five is the same love that will save them at 50. It's the same love that will save a five-year-old girl that is completely innocent in her doing that is the same God that will save a 15-year-old boy that's steeped in sexual sin and addiction. God so loved the world that whosoever would believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not, everyone stops on that first scripture. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn it. That word condemn means to avenge, to judge, to call the world into question. 
but to save the world. To save the world, that through him they might be saved. Love. He loved us while we were yet sinners. We too are to love the sinner. If really you're going to use your faith to love like Christ, you have to love past your emotions. Connect with the faith that God gave you to love a dying world. See, I think the church has got some things confused because, see, there's, there's a way we love one another. There's a way we love our brother, our sister in Christ. But there's another way that we love the world. And they're not the same. And I think we've got them skewed. I think we've got them skewed. See, I think we feel like we have to tell the world what they're doing wrong in order to tell them that Jesus loves them. I can't find one place, not one place in the Bible where God told them they were wrong unless they were a Christian or professed to be a Christian, professed to know the law. Those were the ones he was telling. Repent. Now listen, I'm going to go somewhere that's going to get a little hard. It's not our job to decide who is savable and who's not. How many times have you been in a situation that you've walked by somebody? Look, it could be they smell like skunk weed, so you know they're smoking dope. It could be, no, I'm serious, I'm being real. They could reek with alcohol, look the part of an alcoholic, they're blubbering all over, falling all over, and you just walk around it. Because it's easier. It's easier than to show that person the love of Christ without judging them for that situation, for that moment. Listen, we don't get to choose who's savable. Because I'm going to tell you, at age five, there ain't many preachers that would have thought I needed saved. I was five. I was a good kid. If that's all you're going to write up on my account as I grab my neighbor boy and kiss him, I don't know how many times he lost, but I'm just saying, is that, is that, is that what you're going to hold me to? I wasn't even at the age of accountability yet. If Christ had came in the middle of the night, I would have gone to heaven, even kissing that boy, even chasing him down and making him kiss me. I took him at his own will. His name was Shane Snipple, for any of you that are out there. Shane, if you're watching, you remember. My point was, I didn't, I didn't really have a technical reason to be saved. You get that. The law of accountability would have taken me to heaven right then, right then and there, because I was five years old. Yet I was savable. I'm telling you, we don't own the right to choose who gets to hear the gospel and who don't. But somehow the world has conditioned our mind that if they look a certain way, if they smell a certain way, if they do certain actions or participate in certain sin, then they're not savable. When that's not a... Do you know what I heard the other day? I heard that only 75% something... Don't take me exactly specific on that. I'm rounding. I'm a rounder. 75% of men and women that have been a child molester are unfixable. I said that's a lie. They haven't met Jesus. That's not a lie. See, God has a 100% fix rate. I'm not going to tell you that the thoughts are never going to come again. I'm not going to tell you that the temptation is not going to be present. But what I'm telling you is that the power of God has the ability to give you what you need to withstand temptation and to withstand the sin that is staring you in the face. That's what I'm telling you. If that's the case, then alcoholics wouldn't be saved either. And I know tons of them that have been sober for years. Everyone is savable. Everyone is savable. Everything is redeemable. But we don't get the right to choose who. We have to love the world, no matter what degree. See, you and I can tell a white lie. 
someone else can murder a child, an unborn child. Let's just go there. Let's just talk about it. Can murder an unborn child. But the bottom line is the wage for murder and the wage for a lie is the same. It's the same. You may look at the degree of sin as different. And I'm not going to tell you that a, a liar is equal to a murderer. I don't know. That's not mine. What I know is the word says that the wage of that lie and the wage of that murder are exactly the same. It is death. Death to both of you because you've both forsaken the law. So what I'm saying is, who gave us the right to determine who hears about Jesus and who's worthy and who isn't? I think we've got it a little mixed up. See, I was worthy of being saved. So were they. So were they, because God's not a respecter of persons. He don't care about any of that. It's the ebony love. It, it's even a dog can love. Just love. Yet we struggle because of the way someone looks or because of what they do. Because we're responding out of our emotion and not out of our faith. We're depending on our own love to man up and to just get over it. You're not going to get over it. You're human. You need a supernatural infusion of Christ into who you are in order to love people that you think don't deserve to be loved. Because it's your mind that tells you they're not thinkable about being loved. Yes, they are. Because we have to renew who we are, put on who Jesus says we are, and begin to love like he loves. Matthew 22nd chapter. A lawyer. He's in all of his greatness. I bet he was wearing a suit. Hey, master. He's trying to trip Jesus up. He says, out of all these commandments, what's the greatest Jesus says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first one. Number two, I, we wish we could stop right there. I'm just going to tell you, all of you that are going to hear the second one. Number two is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm. On these two commandments hang all of the law. In other words, if you put these first two in their rightful place, Number three, number four, number five, number six, every command I've ever given you will fall in line. In other words, get your priorities right and put them in the condition of love me and love them and love yourself and all this rest of the stuff will fix. See, but I think we struggle. I think we get hung up. I think we do love God with all our heart. We think we do. I think we give him all of what we are today. I really do. I love God with all my heart today. But tomorrow it moves. And I got to love him a little deeper. And the next day it moves a little further. And I got to keep loving like God in order to mature and to grow in the things of the Lord. In order to have the perfect love. I don't want just a subpar love because that subpar love doesn't see everyone the way Christ sees them. And if I can't see everyone the way Christ sees them, well, we'll get there later. We're not going to go there now. Could be too much. I got to get you ready for this one. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we go back to the first commandment. We go back to the second commandment. These are the most important ones. But 1 John 3, 8 says, 3.18 says, let us not love with words or speech, but actions and in truth. Love is an action. Love is an action. See, love compelled Christ to go to the woman at the well. Love compelled Christ to go to the catacombs, which was like a, a graveyard where they put dead bodies. It stunk. It was dirty. The man came out naked. He had cuts all over himself. You understand that the love that Christ had in his heart caused him to go action. He didn't just say, um, somebody go over to the guy in the catacombs over there because... It stinks too much for me to go. I'm Jesus. 
I got other stuff to do. He didn't say, here, 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 here uh, boys, here's, here's $100, here. Let this get you the gas to get over there. Go over there, buy the boys some food. Give him some clothes, for goodness sakes. Tell him to put some clothes on and take a bath. That's not Jesus. You don't get to throw money at the problem. You don't get to just give your money to the poor and think the need's been met. You have to walk by the poor and let love compel you to respond. Christianity is not a humanitarian work. Christianity is a work and an act of when you look at someone and the judgment that you put on them is based out of frustration, anger, disgust, and it's not love that goes, oh, and you can't feel that hurt in your heart. See, all you're doing is just looking at an outside thing. You're just looking at the result of what a lack of love in their life has done. Do you understand that? Do, do, do you, okay, let's just talk about abortion for a minute. You really think those girls, young ladies, go out and just say, well, I'm just going to sleep with whoever I want, and whatever happens, happens, and then I'm just going to go get an abortion. Listen, those girls are looking for love in all the wrong places. They don't know how to get it. Some of them don't even have a father to show them what true love was. But for all we know, the father was sexually abusing some of those girls. Listen, do I believe that there's a girl out there like that? Yes, I do. And she needs Jesus more than any of them do. But listen to me. These are broken, wounded, hopeless people that break, breathe less hope, breathe no love, and don't know how to get out. Love doesn't compel us to talk about it. Love don't compel us to chit-chat and talk. Love compels us to put your feet on the ground and go do something about it. And I'm not talking by words on a picket screen. I'm not talking about words on a picket sign. If that's the way you choose to voice your opinion, I'm sorry. I'm not in this for a government fight. I'm in this for a spiritual fight. And whether you like it or not, Though we lost the life of a child that had never breathed its first breath, well, possibly in a different state that could happen today, but we lost a child, there's a mother attached to that child that is still going to hell, who feels more regret today than she's ever felt in her life, who feels more disgrace, more shame, more brokenness, more hurt than anyone before in this world, yet we don't consider her feelings we consider how it makes us feel, that we're mad, we're angry. I get it. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. But let that compel me to do something different. Let that, yes, we should stand up for what's right and for what's wrong. But not at the cost of shaming a broken girl that doesn't know what to do. I'm asking you to go beyond what your physical mind thinks and find what the heart of Jesus acted like. What did he do? Because I'm telling you, there was no shame in who he was because he didn't come to condemn it. He came to save it. But there's this need in us that says, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong, and you're going to take it. And then I'm going to tell you about Jesus. What in the world? It's backwards, guys. Look, the place you're allowed to judge is the church. Right here. Right here. And it's a safe place to do that. Why? Because we do it with love. With love. Not to be right. With love because we care about the brother or the sister who's sitting next to us in sin. That's why we do it. Not because we want to be right. Not because Sister Kadiddle thinks she's the one that's the Lord over this church. And I just want you to know, I know you and your boyfriend are sleeping together. 
So, but, but listen, every church has them. Every church has a sister cadiddle who's going to tell you. Let me tell you something. Well, we had, we had a lady join this church. She was living with her boyfriend. Living with her boyfriend. She didn't want to. She was a single mother of two children who didn't know how to make ends meet on her own. So guess what? She was caught in a really rock and a hard place. Really bad. She had no income, no way to get out of it. What'd you want her to do? Move out? Live on the streets? She didn't know what to do. She'd come to me. I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. I've never dealt with that before. I didn't know. I just know you can't live in sin. I said, well, here's the deal. No more you-know-whats. You're not allowed. You're a Christian. This is what you do. Lock your bedroom door. Don't let him in. I don't know what to tell you. But you can't live with him and be all doing that. You're a Christian now. And she said, okay, okay, okay. Well, she told him, well, that started a loveless relationship. Trust me, that, that relationship started to die pretty quick. Well, guess what? That was God's plan. That was God's plan all along. That's all right. Get you out of this relationship. Well, then she came to me about a couple months later. She said, well, I, 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 I've been doing what you're telling me to do, but I just keep hitting a wall. I just keep hitting a wall. I said, well, that's because you got to get out of that house. You got to get out. Well, I don't know how to get out. I said, you got to use your faith. You got to get out. Well, where am I going to get a job? I said, I don't know, but you got to get out. You got to get an apartment. You got to get a house. You got to get out. Okay. Okay. She come back about a week after. I got out. I got out. I said, no, you did not. How'd you get out? She said, God made a way. God made a way and I'm out. Yeah. Then she called and she said, I need furniture. I said, okay, we'll pray. God will get you furniture. Guess what? She got furniture. Now listen, half of the church, she's living with her boyfriend. Did you know what that's about right there? She ain't moved out. She came down front for a membership last week and living with her boyfriend, acting like a dog. Let me tell you, that's not what we're called to do. Listen, love. You think the heart of that girl was to live in that situation? You think the heart was there? No, she gave her life to Christ. Listen, God says, pick up your cross, follow me, and I will make you. Not Sister Cadiddle, not you, not me. He will make them. He's making her. He's making her into this beautiful picture of who he is. And you want to know who she's going to reach? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think of it. She's going to reach the single mother with two children trying to make it on her own that can't see a way out. She's going to make it to the one he was not real kind to her. I'm just going to let you know. There's details to this situation. She's going to reach down into the brokenness. She's going to grab them women up and she's going to take them from ashes to beauty and show them what God can do if they'll put a little bit of faith with their situation. That's the love of Christ working in her. Working in her. That's beautiful. That's the church in action. Love is in action, not just words. Love causes us to move. Stevie Ann, I just saw Dreama. Stevie Ann, I said, Steve, if you had one word, one word to leave with my daughter, what would it be about the man she should marry? He said, You tell her, don't listen to this, watch the walk. Because boys can talk all the time, but what do they walk? Christians, we got to stop talking about it and start walking it out. And whether we like it or not, if you say God loves you, then you've got to put your feet to the ground and start walking it. You don't get to choose to throw money at the problem. You don't get to use just your picket signs. You don't get to use Facebook as your plaster wall and not put action to it. God's calling his church to action, and whether we like it or not, a lot of where we are today in the church and in America is because we're so busy fighting the action and we're not looking at the effect right over here. You've got, I mean, cause and effect. You've got the cause, and this is the effect. We're right here. We're fighting the effect. We're not called to fight the effect. Go fight right here. Because the love of Christ is what the cause needs. We've got to fight right. 1 Thessalonians 3.11, 12 and 13. We're going to go there. This says, Now God himself and our Father 
and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase (laughs) and to abound in love. The word abound means to be better, to excel at, to be in excess of. Last time I checked, I didn't have an excess of love. I had some. Some. You know when Dad said the other day that we're supposed to forgive our brother seven times 70? Was that what it was? Yeah, seven times 70. I went, yeah, no, I got three times. You do me wrong three times, I'm going to smack you down. It's over. Dad said, Nicole, you got to do more. I said, well, I don't know how to ask for any more because I'm telling you, you got about three times, and that's a good day. How many of you could be wronged? Wait, wait, wait. By the same person. Not different people. See, y'all can take your turn, and I might make it a little further past three, maybe four. Only because it's Sunday. But I'm telling the same person over and over and over and over and over. It just keeps going. Yep, I got enough love. Yep, I got enough love. Yep, I got enough love. Why? Because it's not my love. It's God's. It's God's. All I've done was connect. All I've done was connect to faith, and it's him. It's him in me and through me, and that's how I'm getting through it. Because I'm just telling you right now, you don't have the ability to do what this is asking you to do. It says, he will make you. He will make the increase to abound. He will make. Not you. You can't study your way here. You can't work your way here. He will make. Increase and abound in love, one toward another. This is you and me. This is brother and sister. One to another. And toward all men. Oop, 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 oop. We were good until that part. We were good. We were good because we, you know, we all agree. We have the same ideas. We all speak Christianese. We all sing the same songs. Yeah. Get someone who don't. Because now you got to love all men. All men. Even as we do towards you. To the end, may he establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Listen, that establish word means to set fast, to strengthen, to fix. The exact same thing we were talking about, about our faith, right? This is where the root thing comes in. Now, this is the best part of my message. And I'm going to tell you why. This is science class 101. Now, I just want to remind you that I am fully and completely qualified to teach this to you because, well, I never got above a C in science, and I've never gone to any college classes about science. But, don't worry. I have read the internet. That makes me qualified. Just want you to know, this is the world we live in today. Google it and you're qualified. You'll probably get a certificate if you Google it long enough. Okay, so, roots run deep. Start with a tap root. One root right in the center, and it starts tapping. Piece by piece, day by day, little by little. It just keeps digging deep, right? Oh, speaking of which, get this. The longest route ever found was 400 feet deep. You want to know what kind of tree? No, shh. Take a guess. Dream of take a guess. What, what tree do you think has the mightiest root? An oak tree? No. Palm? No. Mustard? No. But I will tell you this. It was a fig tree. What was the only tree in the Bible that God cursed? And it dried up from where? Woo! 400 feet. Is God not awesome? Now, this 400-foot this tree was in Africa, so that was kind of out of Jesus' stomping grounds. But I'm just letting you know that it was of the same family. I thought that was awesome. Okay, back to Science 101. Okay. Long root, one root that continues to drive deeper and deeper into the ground. And as it grows, it produces millions and millions of hairs that grow off the root. You've seen them kind of like on a carrot. You know those little hairs you got to kind of shave off? Those are the good things. You should probably just wash them and eat them. So anyone here, that's what he'd tell me. 
explain here? Nope, but you should eat those. They're probably good for you. Anyways, so, so as, as these millions of hairs grow, they suck up water and nutrients from the soil. And they shove it back into the taproot, and then the taproot drives deeper and deeper and deeper. And what happens is, it, when it sends it to the root, it makes it thicker and stronger and longer and more established in the dirt so that when the storms come, the tree has an anchor, a strength stronger than itself. It's fixed on the things that are not from the earthly part upstairs, but it's from the, from the downstairs where God is, and it drinks and drinks and drinks. And then what happens is it becomes so firm and so established that when the storm comes, it doesn't fall over. This is who we are. The problem, now wait, I'm going to tell you a bad part. In Isaiah, it talks about how God grabbed Israel, his people. And he said, I'm going to tell you what, because you haven't loved me, like I said, and you've been serving these other gods, I'm going to take you, I'm going to drive your roots down deep so that you'll produce upward fruit. I don't want to be driven deep by God. I want to be driven deep because I want to. My love for him is going to drive me deep because what happens is, is your root begins to grow below the surface. On the surface, you can't help but grow and produce fruit fruit remember so on the bottom your root system's growing and drinking but on top you're producing a fruit that edifies and glorifies God you see so all these things work together so as you're growing and being matured your root is getting bigger now go to Ephesians I'm going somewhere with this Ephesians 3 14 through 19 no 16 through 19 says now this is Paul's prayer for the church it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in you, your hearts, by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in... Mm. Man, would have been easier if that was faith may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth the knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, when we are rooted and grounded in love, love is our taproot. And when something's going wrong and that faith isn't working, faith needs love to work. It's like the oil in the machine. When your faith is not working, when your faith is not producing, you've got to drive deeper. You've got to drive deeper in the things of love. And when you do, listen, I'm talking love to know what Christ purchased for you at the cross. But when you know what the cross purchased for you, it is immediate reflection to the world that this love keeps going deeper. It's not enough that you know that Christ loved you. Because if you know Christ loved you, then you know why. And when he loved you and the cross was done for you, it was done for them. You don't get a choice just to sit in these four walls for the rest of our lives. Love moves. Love moves us to action. See, love is why we respond. Love is why we pray for people. Love is why we serve. Love is why we reach out for the broken. Love is the reason that we feed the hungry. Love's the reason we forgive. We forgive. Love's the reason that we share Jesus with the world. Because we don't want them to go to hell. You remember Jonah? I'm not going to Nineveh. Yeah, it's the story of disobedience. But do you remember why? Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he felt that the people he was going to tell deserved what they got. He said, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go tell them what you want me to tell them. They deserve it. Woe that you, that be you and me. He thought he knew better than who was savable. He thought, well, I think the Lord showed him. I think some of us have a big mighty whale on our tail. I'm going to be honest with you. You better be careful. Swallow it up and be sitting in there for a few days. I don't want to be disobedient. 
I want to do what God wants me to do, but I'm going to tell you, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. There are situations I don't know what to say. There are situations that I feel awkward. The reason I feel awkward and the reason I don't know what to say is because I have a lack of love. See, I compartmentalize everything in my life. Everything. My makeup's compartmentalized. My children, my husband. My calendar, if I could schedule a kiss, I would schedule it. Kiss Randy three times, 11, 2, and 9. No, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. It's, it's, at, a, it's at a bad degree. It's at a bad degree. But I have found myself compartmentalizing my love. See, my love's for my husband, first. My love's for my family, second. Well, God's first. God's always first. My husband, second. My children, my mom and dad, my church. And then whatever's left, I give away. I compartmentalize according to how bad people need Jesus. Well, you know, they've heard about him before. Well, these people are, have parents who are saved. They know the gospel. Everything's a box. Everything's compartmentalized. I try to number it. I try to size it up. I try to color coordinate it. You can't do that with love. Love don't have a color coordination system. It don't have boxes. It doesn't have numbers. It don't have sizes. Everything about God's love is just God's love. It's for everybody. And the fullness of it is for everybody. See, he doesn't love Nita less or more than he loves me. Not one bit. We are equal. But so is the world. Why do you think you're so much more deserving? Because you found it. Amen. You're not. Because you found it, you've been given much more to give it away. But you've got to get past yourself to give it away. I'm, just, just think of yourself and if you've ever compartmentalized God's love. Because I have. And I'm going to tell you that there's a... 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, anyone who does not love, does not love God. It's the hardest scripture I've had to read today. Because I want to. I want to. I know that I don't agree with, with actions that the sinner sins. That's what they do. They're sinners. Why do I expect anything different? And I feel like I need to tell them why what they're doing is wrong. No, you don't. All you need to do is tell them that this guy gave his life for you. And that the wage of sin is death. I needed saved and you need saved. Do you want to accept him? He can make all things new. He can take your life. He can wash you up and clean you up and make you feel completely different. He can take you from hopeless to hopeful. He can take you from broken to fixed. Do you want to know this guy? Because I'd like to lead you to him. But we got to get over ourselves. We got to get over ourselves, church, and we have to begin to love like God loves. I'm going to be closing with James, the second chapter. Eight, nine, and ten. If ye fulfill the royal law according to scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin, and convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, or all of his commandments, and yet offend in one point, shall be guilty of all. What we deserved was death for the sin that we committed. But Christ came to save us. 
so that we don't have to pay that. Faith will see the world like Jesus did. Not your anger, not your frustration. Aggravated, just spit mad about things right now. I get it. I'm, I, I, I'm spitting mad. But I'm controlling my emotions to allow faith to take its rightful place. And I'm asking God to put in my path every broken, every wounded, every hurt, every offended soul that he can so that I can share the love of Christ. Church, we have to share the love of Jesus like he did. Not the way we want, not through our eyes. And if you walk by somebody, and I, this, this is not in the Bible, I'm just going to tell you. It's not in the Bible. This is Nicole's heart. If you walk by somebody and your inside goes, oh, I'm not kidding. You all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. And you walk by them and you go, ugh, because of the way they smell, because of the way they believe. Listen, I've heard awful things, awful things about other religions in this church. Awful. Awful. Just because someone don't believe like you does not give you the right to go, ugh, ugh. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be judged for that. And I'm telling you that because I love you. And I'm telling you that because I've had to think it. I'm not telling you that they don't need the truth. They do. But there are people that are willing to hear the truth. And there are people that are not. And you need to use your discernment, the Holy Spirit inside of you, to lead you to the people that are ready to hear the gospel. It doesn't mean that every alcoholic is going to hear you. It don't mean that every drug infested drug crack house is going to hear what you have to say that's not true that's not what i'm telling you to do but what i'm telling you to do is be sensitive to the holy spirit just because people don't believe like you doesn't mean they're evil just because people don't live their lives like you don't mean they're evil so the next time you walk by somebody and you get the uh feeling it's called the ug factor it's called the UG factor, and you know what I mean. It may be somebody that's done something to you that's a brother or sister. It may just be someone in the world that you know their type. Come on, that ain't right either, but I ain't got time to go there today. You can't stereotype people. You can't say because they wear their hair a certain way they believe like this. You can't say because they have tattoos all over their body that they're not accepted by Christ. Didn't they read the Bible? I'm just telling you, Jesus had his thigh tattooed. King of kings and Lord of lords. I told my parents, first stop I'm making is a tattoo shop. And I said, in heaven, in heaven. If he was tattooed, then there's got to be an artist. I'm just saying, I'm just kidding you. I'm making a facetious remark about tattoos. I don't care. Be marked. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't even mean the same thing as it meant in the Old Testament today anyways. However, we can't prejudge someone because they're tatted in a sleeve. We don't get to prejudge because there's piercings on their bodies. Or what they're dressed like. That's an ug factor. And when you know it when it's present in you. And when it is. That's your flesh rising up. And you've got to combat that with your faith. You've got to, you know what? That isn't me. That isn't me. I don't like that part of me. That's the old me. That's not the Jesus in me. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to walk right up to that ug factor and say, how are you today? Do you know Jesus loves you? What made you do that? I just felt compelled to come and tell you that Jesus died just for you. Has anybody tell you that? No. Ain't nobody ever told me that. Well, I just wanted you to know that today before you left. Have you ever met Jesus? Have you ever heard about him? And just let God begin to talk. God said, pick up your cross. Come follow me. I will make you. We don't have to make them follow. If they want to, they'll follow. He'll do the rest. We have to take that ug factor and turn it into a love factor. And when you feel that, that is the exact feeling that tells you your love, your taproot is not deep enough. Your taproot is too shallow. You're going wide and you're not going deep. 
see. And when that taproot goes deep, that love that's in the center of that root can't help but to branch into every area of your life. But I'm going to tell you, if that taproot ain't deep and it gets rotten from the inside out, you're rotten everywhere. You're rotten to the driver in front of you, Randy Waters. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's 1201. I'll tell you real fast. We were in line the other day in Lima, and all of a sudden, this car in front of us doesn't go nowhere, and it's in the turn lane. He's like, come on! Come on! Now, the person in the car can't hear us. I get that, but you can see the action. The front window's not tinted. Only the side and the back windows are tinted. So she's looking probably through her back mirror thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, he, come on! Come on! What's the matter? What's the matter? I'm like, Randy, she's probably 99 years old and can't get, she's afraid to get into traffic. She's afraid. I said, Lord Jesus, is there no love in your heart for the traffic people? And I said, and as we drove away, I said, Jesus loves you. And Randy's like, don't, 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 don't. Randy was frustrated. He was late on time. He was just rolling through his emotions. Every emotion you could imagine. And I got Quentin in the back of my car. He says, I said, Quentin, you don't act like this. He said, you don't have to tell me, Mom. I already know. If you wouldn't have been out here, I wouldn't have told you told that story. I'm just saying, if you don't have that taproot really tapped in deep, it runs through everything you do, even when you drive, even when you go to work, even when you love your wife, your husband, your children. If we want our faith to work and to be established truly, and really doing what God wants it to do, it's got to be rooted in him. And he is love. So we're going to change our ugged factor to a love factor this week. Amen? And when we feel that ugg factor, we're going to run towards it, not away from it. And we're not going to compartmentalize God's love. It's for everybody. Everyone, including us, and that world that's out there who, if we don't tell, might not ever hear. All right, stand to your feet. I want to take the time today. I'm letting you out at 12.03. I want it, I don't want to let today pass us. And I only said if I felt the Spirit of the Lord sit for a little bit that I would do this. If not, I wasn't going to do it. You know, Dad said before that <clears throat> if you try to pick a splinter out before it's time, You'll just aggravate and fester it. But if you let it come to the top on its own, then you can just pluck it right out. Love in the church is a touchy subject. For the world, that is. Why? Why? Why have we allowed ourselves to become so judgy? Why have we made ourselves the judge and not the one who loves. See, we're not the judge. God is. We're not judge and jury. And I somehow feel like we've taken the world and the sinners and we've put them on the stand. And we're trying to judge what they're doing. Look, it's sin. I'll tell you in advance. They're guilty. But if we're putting them on the stand, then we too are guilty. I don't know how it all is going to work. I don't know how that uncomfortable spot's going to feel every time. We're probably going to make mistakes. We're probably going to trip over our feet trying to, to love. Because it's, we're going to have to trust God to do it through us. But we've got to do it. We can't wait another day. We can't wait another week because we're uncomfortable. We got to walk into it and we got to trust that God's going to be enough. See, it says in Jeremiah that it, she was like a tree planted by the water who stretched out her roots because she trusted in God. We've got to trust in Him through this love process because I'm telling you, we're not there yet and I don't have all the answers. All I know is that Jesus came to love and so are we. 
Yes, there's right and wrong. And love doesn't mean we accept wrong. But we're not the judge either. So how does that work? He makes it work. We just have to be obedient to love. Let him do the rest. He prepares the heart of man. But I can't let today go by. Because I've already had this moment. We have to judge ourselves. We have to judge ourselves and say, God, okay, she told me, now I know, so tell me where I'm doing this. Because I don't want to do this. I don't want to not be you. I don't want to be living out of myself. I want to be living out of you. How do I love like you? And where haven't I? And let's get it done. Let's repent and move on and let God begin to work on who we are.